Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, Coaching You in the Word. We're glad to have you today. We appreciate all of those of you that download our stuff. We hope that you're enjoying it. It's a blessing to you and and, uh, giving you some uh, food for thought as you develop your life in Christ. I want to remind you that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's Facebook messaging system. Well, we're working on part 10 of understanding how to win in spiritual warfare. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then let us apply apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear son. Father, we sanctify ourselves, yield ourselves, and surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, to speak through the Holy Spirit and let him minister through us the words that come from the throne room of God. We thank you for that. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, Lord and God. Amen and amen. Now today we're going to start by saying here is a real question. Do you for yourself know the truth, or are you a sheeple? Are you just a person who wants to go along to get along? If you've allowed yourself to just follow along with the crowd, then the spirit of your mind is not living in a renewed condition. It has reverted to darkness and will reap the results of darkness. Now there is a demand that is placed upon you when you say that you have been born again and come into the born-again life of a new man. Let's look at Ephesians 4.24. And that you put on the new man, which is after Christ, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now there's a new mind that comes in a new man. That new mind and that new man has correctly identified himself or herself with Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. We must identify with him in each of these dynamic areas in order to come into the full maturity that brings us the full maturity, the full growth and development that God intended for you. Now, a new man will begin with what was accomplished at the cross. We know that Jesus shed blood for the breaking of his mind, will, and emotions. So in this process of developing the new man, um, we must be crucified in our soul and change the way that our mind, will, and emotions are responding. This is a step in the process that must be completed for the burial of the flesh to be seen as a requirement. If we get saved and begin the process, but we do not bury the flesh, we'll be stuck in the cycle of redoing what has already been done. The writer of the book of Hebrews addressed this by using this scripture in Hebrews chapter 6. 
He said, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works or of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, they shall fall away to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. So, my friends, we have to move beyond the foundational principles and the foundational doctrines. Because if we stay there, these doctrines will stun our growth and stun our development. If we fail to move past them, then we are placing ourselves in the condition of potentially falling away. Sin becomes a weight of which we have no business bearing. Why? Listen to the scripture. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection. Did you hear that? There's a perfection that's to be gained, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works or of the baseline of faith towards God. We have no business dealing and dabbling back in sin. This causes you to spend your time operating in a work that's been associated with the cross, but is not allowing you to move forward in your Christian walk. This activity becomes an open shame as you try to represent the work accomplished by Jesus on the one hand, but also express the work of sin to which you are subject because you are living in sin. This can never be an amicable relationship. Jesus said so in Luke chapter 16, speaking about the fact that no man can serve two masters. Look at verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. If we truly have tasted of the good word and works of God, then we must move forward to grow and understand Him. Now there's plenty of grace to help this growth and development to occur, to help you to move on from the principles and foundations of doctrine, of repentance, and of faith. Then, if we are willing to look at what we have really tasted and found, we can move on and grow. Grace is the mechanism to do that. Remember, when you are weak, He is strong. Rejoice and worship the Lord for the strength that He provides through grace for your ability to know and grow in Him. Now, pastor, you would say, what if we sin? How does this now apply to us? Well, I want you to listen carefully. <coughs> Excuse me. The key phrase is not when you sin. 
No person should feel as though daily sin or repeated sin is an acceptable way to function their Christian life. Actually, it's entirely the contrary. No person should feel that because someone pronounces themselves a Christian but wants to act like the world, think like the world, do like the world, talk like the world, feel like the world, experience the world, is the ones that you should be following. No, actually, it is exactly the contrary. One guy told me years ago that grace was his hall pass to be able to sin. In that case, you're crucifying him afresh and place yourself under the same free will plan that got you into the plan of salvation. By your free will, you have chosen the master to which you will show allegiance. By your free will, your ability to be renewed by repentance then is closed. Now we're talking about a lifestyle, not a mistake. The word is clear on this topic. Look at 1 John 2, 1 through 4. He said, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if, did you see that? And if, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If you sin, you have an advocate or a lawyer. His name is Jesus Christ, your high priest. He has paid for your sin. He has developed His Spirit to dwell in you. He is touched with the feelings of your weaknesses. And He's willing to plead your case. And He's willing to see grace released on your behalf. Verse 2, now watch. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. It's imperative that you see that. The reason that He can plead your case is because He is the one that reconciled you to God in the first place. Now then look at verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know Him. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Now that He has pled your case based upon His merits... The release of the person is now based upon what they do next. Well, what would they do? What is, the, what is the thing they should be doing next? They should be following His commandments. They should become subject to Him. They should become a seeker, asker, and a knocker of the wisdom, revelation, and knowledge that is in Him. So, if you sin, He has paid the price for your sin to reconcile you to God, and your response to that must be that you keep His commandments. Now look at verse 4. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, Here's where the problem comes in. So many doctrines are so steeped in grace that it appears that because of grace, we can live like we want to, act like we want to, talk like we want to, and think like we want to. We can interact with the world in any way we want to because grace is sufficient. 
Well, the reality of the situation is, my friend, grace is sufficient. But living as if grace is going to absolve you from the holiness of God is a big error in judgment. Now, what do I mean by that? God sent Jesus Christ, His only Son, to die on Calvary's tree. He watched Him die and finally had to turn His eyes from Him because of the ravages of sin. He turned His eyes from Him because of what Isaiah 53 tells us was such a powerful vision that they couldn't even look at Him. And now, here we are, crucifying Him all over again. And we think grace absolves us from sin. My friend, grace is the avenue through Jesus Christ Himself, who is named Grace. Grace is the avenue whereby God has made a way for you to be reconnected to Him. But, in the avenue of grace, God is not going to stand by and watch you crucify Him all over again because of your lack of understanding about who grace is and what grace has accomplished for you. See, this is a bigger thing than we've been taught, isn't it? It's a bigger thing than just saying grace, 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 don't worry about it. God's not going to send anybody to hell. Well, my friend, God is not going to send anybody to hell. You're going to send yourself there by doubt and unbelief, by lifestyle. Those will be cast in over the gate at that day of judgment. They will. But the way and the mechanism whereby they will get there is by living the lifestyle of sin, by crucifying Him afresh, by not being able, because of their consistently crucifying Him, to be repentant and lose out in the end. Sad thing. If we know Him, we'll keep His commandments. If you go forward in a lifestyle of disobedience, to the commandments of Jesus Christ, the High Priest, the Lord, and our God. Now watch me now. Then you've chosen to whom you desire to be subject. Someone said to me, Well, Pastor, I always seem to be in the middle of a spiritual battle. Well, my question to that is why? Are you in the battle, the middle of a spiritual battle? Because you have never buried your flesh? Are you in the middle of a spiritual battle because you've been taught that grace will take care of everything and then whenever you feel bad about it, you repent and try to move on from there and then go back to the same old thing like the dog returning to his uh, vomit? Is that the case? Is that why you're in a spiritual battle? My friend, you cannot disobey the Word of God. Now someone would say, but Pastor, maybe I don't understand everything that you're teaching. Well, the Word of God addresses that. It says that you are to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now what does that mean? 
That means that once you come to Him, you're to understand the principles of doctrine, the principles of repentance, the principles of faith, and then you are to understand the principles of baptism, the principles of laying hands on the sick. But then from there, you go on to understand the depths and the truths of what godly living is, what holy living is, what God expects as your reasonable sacrifice. You go on into the depths of truth that's in God's Word. Now, how do you get there? Do you get there by staying in the traditional church? Do you get there by staying in your traditional de denomination? Do you get there by hearing messages that have no depth? Do you get there by hearing messages that are uh, repeated year in and year out? Do you get there by hearing and being taught by people who are operating out of the intellect? No, you don't get there by any of that. You find yourself in a place where the Word of God, through the revelation of the Spirit, is being delivered. You get into the taught and the preached Word of God. You learn how to worship. You learn how to praise. You learn how to use the names of Jesus Christ. You learn how to grow in the grace that I have not seen or ear hath heard, but has been revealed to you by the Spirit. You get into the praise and worship until the Holy Spirit begins to, to, to work in your soul and execute guidance and leading and reproof and joy and peace from the Spirit of truth. That's how you do this. You meditate in the Word. You spend time in God's Word. You learn to pray. Now, when you do that, you'll come away from the crucifixion. You'll come away from consistently having to crucify Him afresh to get forgiveness. No, you'll bury the, the flesh. Then you'll move into the resurrection where you will see Him as the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that creates a new law that is stronger, greater, deeper, and bigger than the law of sin and death. Then you will come out of the carnal mind and live a life that is steeped in peace, which gives you the prosperity of God. Now, if you choose to be subject to sin, then really your, your spiritual battle is not a spiritual battle at all. It's a spiritual succumbing. It's a spiritual agreement. It's a spiritual subjection whereby you have allowed sin and the weight of sin to come in and overtake the spirit of life that was in you. Now then, you're walking on some treacherous territory. Well, grace, my friend, is not to be frustrated by your choices. Grace will solve the flesh problem. It will enact in you the spirit of life. It will move you forward into a deeper walk with our Lord, and it will keep you safe under the plan of salvation. But I want you to hear this. To Noah, God said, My spirit will not strive with man always. Gen Genesis 6, 6 and 3. This activity that we are referring to here about the consistent 
return to the requirements and necessities of the cross, then becomes what Jesus warned us against. It becomes the blasphemy of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because that Holy Spirit was sent to convict and convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. My Lord. So if He has been sent to convict the world of sin and those who don't believe, of righteousness because He has become our righteousness and we have become the righteousness of God in Him, and of judgment because the devil will be judged. And He has come for that purpose and we are living with the weight of sin, whether it's hidden sin, whether it's overt sin, whatever sin that may be, if we are choosing to live with it, then we are blaspheming the Holy Spirit because it is His job to convict you, to reprove you of sin. So when we say we are one thing and we are not, we have blasphemed the work of the one sent by Jesus Christ specifically to walk in and to live in and to transform the lives of those to whom He was given. Now we know that that blasphemy and that, that, that choice of a lifestyle of sin, and when we live there, we blaspheme the efforts of the Holy Spirit and we make a mockery of His work. Now this thing we do know that Jesus said, this action is unforgivable. Why? Because it puts Him to an open shame and makes it appear that His work is not sufficient for a person to come to Him and be separated from sin. Now the enemy uses this lack of understanding, lack of correct doctrine, lack of correct teaching to his advantage. This, the enemy uses the opportunity that mankind has to watch the lives of other believers. He uses that because when you watch what other people do and they call themselves Christians, then you think, well, if they're a Christian and they're doing it, why not me? Well, the reason is because that action that is contrary to holiness, that is contrary to the commands of Jesus Christ, that is contrary to the working of the Holy Spirit, constitutes a blasphemy to what the Holy Spirit is trying to show you. He's trying to show you where sin is. He's trying to show you what righteousness is. And He's trying to show you what judgment concerning sin is. Now, there is a judgment that falls upon sin, and there is also a judgment that comes in righteousness. The judgment in righteousness is the judgment of the open window of heaven where grace is concerned.
You can experience and encounter all of the grace that you need. You can experience that by His strength as Paul saw Him in 2 Corinthians 12. Or you can experience grace by all the promises that are in Christ Jesus that are yea and amen being expressed to you at the point of your need. You can have that. However, in order for that grace to be exposed to you, you're going to have to live by the commandments that have been put forward by Jesus Christ and under the teaching and training and leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. If you do anything else, if you live any other way, then you are constantly being recycled back to the cross. And when you do that, the writer of the book of Hebrews, whom we believe is Paul, has spoken to that very situation in, Ephesians, or in, in Hebrews chapter 6. I want you to move forward now. I want you to be able to win in this spiritual warfare. I don't want you to be a, a warrior who's entangling himself with the affairs of this life and wondering why his Christian life isn't unveiling and evolving as it should. I don't want you to be there. You can think you're living a Christian life based on what you're seeing, based on what you're being taught, or you can come into the Word of God, get under sound teaching, learn the Scripture, learn how grace works, learn what the Holy Spirit is doing, and then you will understand how to win in spiritual warfare. No one ever said the enemy isn't going to come against you. No one ever said that he's not going to lay in wait to try to trip you up. But I am telling you that you are more than an overcomer, not because of what you did, but I read it to you. I read it to you from the Scripture in 1 John. You're more than an overcomer because He is the propitiation for your sin. And you're more than an overcomer because of that because you can follow the commandments of Jesus Christ. And you're more than an overcomer because in those commandments is your victory. You can win in spiritual warfare. You just have to set your spiritual warfare to your advantage. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? I set my spiritual warfare based on what I know about Jesus Christ, my high priest, my Lord, and my God. Well, may God bless you. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for the word. I pray that you will minister to your people. Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand. Father, may we know, may we follow, may we cherish our relationship. And may we grow from the principles, the foundation, into the depths of truth so that we can win when we come into contact with the devil. So that we can win whenever we're under attack. So that we can win whenever we are feeling as if our mind, will, and emotions are being challenged by something in this world. Now, Father, I thank you for that because we know that Jesus has shed blood for that very intent. 
Bless us now, I pray in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, Lord and God. Amen and amen. I want you to find Him in those names, and I want you to pay attention in days to come, because I'm about to unveil, beginning this coming Sunday morning, which will be uh, Sunday morning. The uh, Today is the 20th, 21st, 24th, the 24th, I believe. I'm about to unveil one of the greatest revelations in the Word of God that is directed to the church, and you need to hear it. It'll take two or three, maybe even as many as four sessions to get it done, but you'll want to know it and you'll want to understand it because it is a revelation directly to the church that'll bless you. If you'll find Him as Lord and you'll find Him as God, He'll communicate to you everything you need to know. May God bless you until we speak again.